Welcome everybody to the University of Applied Research and Development, our educators podcast, and I'm delighted to be here with Therese Hoyle, who is an educational consultant and leadership consultant. She was with the Department of Education working with women leaders, and we've just found out that we're both New Zealanders, and I'm delighted about that. Therese, great to have you here on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Therese, tell us about your role and what you're doing now. Um, right now, I've got a few roles. So I think I'm a, um, what I call a portfolio worker. So I work with women leaders in education but um, in the UK. I am a coach with Integrity Coaching, who I coach um, women leaders in education, so mainly head teachers. Um, I do a lot of, I coached seven heads last year for the Na National Education Union. And I also coach 10 Microsoft leaders. Um, I've been coaching 10 Microsoft leaders over the last, um, last I think it's like um, 10 months, something like that. So yes, but I generally speaking work with leaders um, and help them in terms of supporting them with a role that, that you know, at times can be very challenging. And help them flourish in the workplace. What are some of those challenges that you find, generally speaking, um, leaders encounter in, in a variety of workplaces? Um, so I think in the last few years, I've just found there's a, particularly in education, there's a hugely changing landscape. So leaders, um, particularly in education, are having, you know, there's, there's the, I've coached heads over the last year who have struggled with staffing issues. Um, they've, you know, particularly now we've got a pandemic, where, you know, leaders are struggling with huge, huge changes um, and being expected to do things that they're not normally used to doing. So, you know, um, with the pandemic, you've got so many changes in terms of structures, classrooms, government guidance. Um, and sometimes we're being asked to do things that we don't feel comfortable with. So we're having to make a values judgment about whether it, that's right for us um, and can we lead authentically. So the whole area of, of authentic leadership is really important and being true to our values because actually as leaders we become quite distressed when we're going against a grain of what we believe in. So for head teachers I know I've got work with recently, um, they might confine themselves in their office all the time, on the phone all the time, when actually they want to be out with the children and they want to be spending a bit more time actually walking through the corridors, connecting with their children, connecting with their staff um, and actually sometimes doing a lesson because that's what makes them happy too. Um, so as a leader, I think you really have to find what is it that makes you happy? I've had leaders who um, are doing a lot of the social emotional wellbeing work um, and sometimes they need to find you know, somebody else in their staff. They need to think about who they can hire, who can take responsibility for that area because they're starting to wear too many hats. So actually, you know, as leaders, it's about delegating, learning to delegate. Um, and who can take responsibility and when you know for me it's when I'm seeing leaders who are really distressed it's starting to work out you know what is that distress what is starting to burn them out are they able to disconnect because there's a huge area in education where leaders are finding it very hard to disconnect they're going home there's emails you know coming in late at night um, and so actually working with them to find some boundaries um, and uh, you know otherwise they burn out and they don't last. And that's so sad. We're losing great people. Do you think that that's more common in education or is it leadership in general? Um, I'd say it's more common in education. Yes. Yeah. I think other structures, other organisations in the corporate world, generally speaking, there are better boundaries. 
not always, but generally. I, and I do think as heads, particularly with head teachers, they're wearing many hats and they have huge responsibilities for, to the community. So they have huge responsibilities to their parents, responsibilities to their children, responsibilities to their staff. So um, they're wearing many hats. Yeah. So when you're working with educational leaders and, and corporate leaders as well, is there a particular model that you really like that's appropriate in education? I, um, I used to work with influential companies, so I really still love the situational leadership two model. So um, I really am at the heart of situational leadership two is about partnering for performance. So if we want our teams to perform, we partner with them. And there is, you know, I very much believe that um, it's not because, and that's very much a Blanchard um, company statement is, it's pe pe people want to perform. They, and when we partner with them to perform, they can. So it's about giving them the right environment. It's about if they're not performing, we need to find out why they're not performing. Um, if they're lacking in motivation, then we need maybe they need a bit more training. Maybe they're lacking confidence. So we need to partner with them to get to where they, you know, they can potentially go. Because everybody, I believe, has potential. And very often we're saying, oh, that person's not very good at that, or that person you know, can't do that. But it's maybe not because they, they um, can't or don't want to. Maybe it's because they feel they're lacking the skills to get there. So actually, it's about nurturing that talent. When you say that people actually want to perform, mm. when you work with leaders, do you find that that's a common or an uncommon perspective that they believe people want to perform? I think as educators, we all, you know, we work with children, so we want them to perform, but sometimes we're in a high-stressed environment. Um, there's a lot of expectation maybe from, from parents, um, from governments, and actually sometimes we forget that. We forget actually that that person isn't achieving what they, they're capable of because maybe they're having a situation at home that's tricky. Or maybe, um, you know, they actually lack a bit of training. They, maybe they're new and they're, maybe they're an NQT and actually, you know, they don't know about phonics or maybe <laughs> they lack, you know, we're putting somebody up for a new middle management role and actually they've never led a team and actually need a bit of support in terms of how to lead that team. And we're seeing, you know, we can see people going into middle leadership, you know, being, you know, some people people are naturally good leaders but some people actually need to learn to delegate a bit more or to appreciate their team a bit more to look for the good in their team um, to celebrate them when they do well um, to not you know to have time to, to bring everybody together and communicate with them and if there's problems then we need to bring them up as a, a group and a team um, and overtly sort out solutions to those problems so I do believe that um, there's a lot of skill to leadership and actually uh, we need to be having conversations around leadership so that we can lead better. So you mentioned Ken Blanchard's uh, situational leadership model. Tell us a bit more about how you became familiar with that and some of your, your past experiences. I was really lucky when I lived in New Zealand. Um, I, I started an educational consultancy um, in the South Island. So basically I moved from the UK, from London, um, to New Zealand. I took an educational program um, to New Zealand and initially I was being told, oh, New Zealand had, had everything. They didn't need what I was bringing from the UK. <laughs> so um, I was like, okay, all right. Um, and um, 
I, you know, I've always done a lot of personal growth and development on myself. I came across a um, um, affirmation, which is called I am enough. And it basically said the thing that I was affirming to myself is I'm connected to enough people to manifest my heart's desire. And um, I had it in the shower everywhere because I was being told, yeah, there's no way you're going to be able to get this program going. You know, we've got enough programs in New Zealand. So I kept affirming to myself, I'm connected to enough people to manifest my heart's desire. And um, I, my daughter was at school in, in um, a little primary school and the head teacher said to me, oh, we're running a head teacher's conference. Would you like to come and speak at it? So, um, I gave, so I put on a, um, a workshop and I invited 30 children to come into my workshop um, for, for, with all the head teachers watching me work with the children. So, and for me, it was about modelling um, what was potentially possible with children in terms of building their social emotional wellbeing, which is something we, we really need right now. Um, and from then, I then got connected with somebody in the North Island who wanted me to work with um, 12 resource teachers for learning behavior and teach them um, how to run the educational wellbeing program that I was, had taken to New Zealand and um, after that it was kind of history because it went into New Zealand Education Gazette and um, yeah and then I was training lots of, of schools and teachers and leaders throughout New Zealand so so I can't remember the question anymore <laughs> there Craig but um, yeah no it's um, yeah I can't remember what was the question again <laughs> It's about Ken Blanchard's model and how you became familiar with it. Yeah. So, so then after that, I then, at that point as well, I was really, really interested in Ken Blanchard's work. He'd written a book about um, creating cultures of praise and affirmation. And um, I, that's a very big part of the work I do is about creating, creating positive cultures and um, how to redirect when people aren't performing, how to redirect behaviour. And that's very much through looking for the good. And... Um, I contacted Ken Blanchard companies. I wanted some of their materials. And I also said, you know, if at any point you ever have any vacancies in your organization, please let me know. And I'm, you know, this, I've got a coaching, I, I've done leadership coaching work. And um, so we had a, I had a long chat with the director of Blanchard. And um, then she said that she started following me and my work. So from, you know, I was very early in my days when I first moved and to New Zealand and I was doing that affirmation of I'm connected to enough people to manifest my heart's desire um, and then so I met Bridget at that point and um, so she you know I was new and very young at that point as well in New Zealand and um, she, she was watching what I was doing and she said to me later and I called her about getting some more resources and um, she's and yes and then she called me back and she said oh we're just starting a leadership coaching um program at Blanchard would you be interested in joining us so I was like oh my goodness that's amazing <laughs> so I just you know I think part of leadership is actually about you know we have to be doing enough personal growth and development on ourselves you know it's not always easy I moved to New Zealand to the South Island I had no connections I don't know anybody all I knew is that I had a program that I wanted to develop and run um, nationally throughout the country and I had no idea how I was going to start that um, so I just think you know we can we all have aspirations and we have to hold on to those and, and for leaders in education you have an aspiration for how you want your school to be you have a vision of what is healthy of your value you know I think we have to be very strong in terms of our own values and um, authentically leading with our values 
Um, and that's really important. And if we become distressed as leaders, if we're not living according to our values too. Love it. That's really powerful stuff. It's good for educators and educational leaders to hear about type C goals or big, hairy, audacious goals or however we phrase it. Because often people get stuck and they think, how? How do I do this? So they never start. Whereas the how will find a way if you're willing to step out and pursue that that big dream anyway. I love that. What, a, what an inspirational story. Hope that encourages some of our our participants in the course to venture out internationally. Once the borders open again, that would be fantastic. Tell us about your time with the Department of Education and working with women leaders for the Department of Education. So basically I coach women leaders. Um, so it's a, actually a free program that's open to educational leaders. And um, so I've got various leaders who are he um, heads. I've got some who are um, there um, in um, middle leaders and um, it, it, it really is an amazing government program open to um, leaders in education for, and it's a free program so I give my time voluntarily to it um, and I usually take one person one leader at a time um, because it's a voluntary role and um, I just think yeah it's it's great our leaders often need help and support and financially it can be too much of a um, yeah coaching is not always cheap so it's kind of a, a free service of six sessions that I give to leaders and one of my leaders at the moment um she was just posted something on twitter saying um yeah how just create you know simple things that we have to remember too in terms of um creating our own goals and she was just put, putting something about actually how working with a coach helped her in terms of becoming getting clarity around her goals so yeah. wonderful Therese, um, just to finish up, would you have some, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, Therese? Yeah. Okay. Um, would you have some career advice for leaders, people aspiring to be leaders? What are some key things you think they should try to build into the next few years? Um, in terms of next few years, I think um, personal professional development, very, very, very important. Knowing what you're really strong at, identifying your strengths, but also being aware of your weaknesses and knowing actually, you know, I'm going to play to my strengths, but also those weaknesses, actually, how can I, you know, fill those gaps? How can I grow and develop? So, um, yeah, really working out what are the professional development programs you might need to attend if maybe you find communication difficult and being assertive, then maybe you need to do some work around that. If you find time management difficult, um, then and time management and self-management. How do you develop that skill and grow that skill? Um, if you are somebody who maybe feels you need to do everything, then actually how do you learn to like, delegate better? Um, <laughs> and if you find, you know, you're brushing up against people and not having great relationships, then actually what, what do you need to do to grow those relationships um, and trust with your staff? So, um, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. I, 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 yeah, definitely. I always think if you're in education, you need to be a lifelong learner and ready to learn and grow. Love it. So relationships, professional development, work on interpersonal skills and being able to delegate and share the workload. Yeah. Pearls of wisdom. <laughs> thank you. Therese, thank you very much for your time. Um, on behalf of our educators that we have in Malta and Nepal and in Indonesia, it's quite an international bunch, majority in Nepal though they are teachers, the heads of departments, vice principals, principals and directors of schools. So thank you so much. I think your wisdom applies to everybody. So I want to thank you for your time and I did put you on the spot. 
Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect to do this today. <laughs> so certainly appreciate you doing this. Be safe and be well. Yeah, thank you very much, Craig. Lovely to meet you.